0: that everyone had a good Christmas and New Year holiday. We want to welcome you if you're visiting with us this morning. Uh, Maybe just still here over the holidays, but maybe you're visiting with us and you live in the area. We want you to know that you are our our welcome guest. We want to let you know that we've enjoyed worshiping with you and pray that God will uh, use his word this morning to bring change into your life. Um, We had a good holiday in Nebraska it was cold, but uh, we uh, enjoyed ourselves, got to see a lot of our friends and our family, and um, I brought one of my gifts from Christmas here to show how old I'm getting. I, I had picked up some glasses. So you may see me wearing these. I, I I'll try to wear them as little as possible, but as I look down, I've noticed lately as I read, um, especially up here, I have a hard time seeing um, my, the verses. So the printout that I have is much bigger print than my Bible. So you may see me wearing glasses now. So that just shows that I'm getting older, and uh, my eyesight is going. So uh, some of you understand what that's all about. The other ones don't. But it was a good Christmas, and it's good to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us. And um, His birth is obviously the uh, a part of the process. The work of Christ is an eternal work. Um, goes back before the beginning of time where his um, death was predetermined it was something that was predestined before we were ever even thought of and uh, and it comes into place at the perfect time the Bible tells us in Galatians when the fullness of time has come or when the right time had come Christ Jesus was sent into this world he was born of a woman meaning that he was a fully human um, but God was his father which defines the fact that he had no sinful nature. Uh, he was not sinful at all. As a matter of fact, Hebrews tells us in chapter number four that he was without sin. He was tempted in all ways as we are, yet he, yet he never sinned. Um, he lived a perfect life. We know that uh, he lived 33 and a half years on this earth. He died on the cross. He did not die for his own sins. He did not die for a crime that he committed, but he died for crimes that we had committed. He died for our sins. He gave his life sacrificially as a substitute for sins or for crimes that people had committed because they could not pay for their own crimes. And that's who we are. We're those sinful people, and we're the ones for whom Christ Jesus died on the cross. We know that Jesus Christ did not remain in the grave, but three days after his death, he resurrected, and we celebrate that on Easter. And he came out of the grave and was victorious over all of those things that would ultimately seek to hold us bondage and hold lost people bondage today. And his resurrection is um, symbolic to us. It is an example to us of the new life that we can have in Christ, the salvation and the deliverance that we can have because of what he has done for us. Here in this passage of Scripture in Romans chapter number 4, the apostle Paul uh, gives us an example of how we can have that new life in Christ. How we can have deliverance or uh, another word that we often use is the word salvation. The words are somewhat interchangeable uh, because when a person is saved, they are also delivered. And when we think of salvation, we think of an event that takes place at a at, an, at a time, uh, at an event in our life uh, somewhere in the past where Uh, Perhaps we said a prayer or we did something that uh, affirms us in our salvation, but salvation truly from a um, salvific perspective, also from a daily living perspective is a process that we go through from the idea of being justified, to be sanctified, to be glorified is all a process that God is bringing us through to bring us to himself for what we would call final salvation. It's the same in our daily lives. That same process is taking place in our daily lives. Those same deliverances, those same steps that we go through to to experience salvation, are the same steps that we go through to experience daily victories over whatever temptation or sin that we're dealing with. Here in this passage of Scripture specifically, the the Lord uses Abraham as an example. He's called the father of many nations. And ultimately, the book of Galatians tells us that Abraham was the father of those who had faith. He was the father of the people of faith. In the Old Testament, that was the Jewish people. In the New Testament, that has been opened up to all people. Jews and Gentiles can come and experience deliverance, can come and experience salvation by this faith, by believing or trusting or embracing what Jesus Christ has done for us. We notice in the text as it was read earlier that the salvation that is spoken of here is the Lord talks about to Abraham that he would inherit the earth or inherit the world. And the issue is, as is it's talking about and referring to the coming kingdom, that, that um, the, uh, the, the, the earth will be ours in the Lord's return as he establishes his kingdom on the earth and as he sets up a new heaven and a new earth, all of the promises of the Lord will be fulfilled It's so important that when we read the word of God and we uh, look at the promises of God, that some of those promises aren't referring to this life, but they're referring to the next life. They're referring to what the world will be like when he comes and brings forth a new heaven and a new earth. So in Abraham's case, the the promise here is salvation. It is salvation that comes through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, "For for by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Abraham's main problem, and our main problem as well, is that we're all sinners. Romans 3 and verse 23, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all in some way denied God, defied God, or set forth on our own journey in life without recognizing God and his holiness and his um, righteousness. And we've all, if you take the 10 commandments and you lay the 10 commandments out and we we work through them and we unpack them, we would all have to say that we would be guilty of all of the 10 commandments. Matter of fact, if you come to the New Testament, people perhaps were saying, well, I've never committed the command, I've never broken the law of the commandment, thou shalt not murder So in Matthew chapter number five, the Lord says, if you feel like you've not broken that law, let me explain it to you further. And he says, if you've ever hated somebody, that's the same as murdering them. You may say, I've never committed the, I've never broken the law of committing adultery. Matthew five comes and says, let's go a little bit deeper and show you the fact that we've all broken the law of committing adultery because if we've ever lusted at all, we have committed adultery. The emphasis is in the New Testament that God takes it from an external list of rules and regulations to an, to an internal change that must take place in order for a person to experience salvation and deliverance. It's not about the outside, it's about the inside. As a matter of fact, he, he teaches us that the Old Testament circumcision that was done as an external sign of somebody being a Jew is now, in the New Testament, the circumcision of The heart. It's the change of the heart. It's the identifying of the heart. So Abraham's sinful condition was Abraham's ultimate problem, and our sinful condition is our ultimate problem as well. Again, we are all sinners, and Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death. The price for sin, the payment for sin, is condemnation, And it is not temporary condemnation. We know what the Bible teaches about hell. It is an eternal condemnation. Those who have broken God's law are guilty before God. And therefore, there must be a payment made. There must be a punishment for that sin in order for God to remain holy, in order for God to be just, in order for him as the judge to stand um, as a holy judge and a righteous judge all sin must in some way be condemned. All sin must in some way be paid for. And that's where we stand. We know, according to the scriptures, that God sent his son into this world, Jesus Christ, God the son, and that he came fully God and fully man, and he paid the price for our sins. And then he tells us that all of those in, in, in this text, he uses Abraham as the example, but all of us who embrace what Jesus Christ has done by faith experience this salvation, we become a part of the family of God, enter into God's uh, economy or God's family. We enter into that by faith. We enter into that by trusting. And that is really the emphasis of this of this Romans 5, really Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 really emphasize this idea of entering into God's family by faith. We come into God's family by faith, but we not only come into God's family by faith, embracing what Jesus Christ has done for us, but we also live by faith. The salvation that we experience, the the, the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, is not just meant for that moment. It's something that continues every single day of our lives. Imagine the power, the the miraculous work that it took to save you from your sins. Pretty miraculous, right? Right? We, we could say that that's probably the greatest miracle that could ever happen on the face of the earth is somebody who is guilty to have their sins removed, forgiven, and be made perfectly righteous in the eyes of God. That's a pretty big miracle, right? It's that same faith that gives you the victory over lust today. It's that same faith that gives you victory over hatred and bitterness and frustration. It's the same faith that you that you. Adopted the day that you believed in Jesus that continues to guide you and give you victory every single day of your life. You see, Abraham's faith was not just that he believed what God says and in that moment he was saved, but Abraham's faith was that he packed his bag the next day and began to march to a place that he didn't know where he was going. What kept Abraham journeying to the promised land? Faith. Faith kept Abraham going every single day of his life. What kept Abraham continuing to try to have children at the age of 100 and his wife 90? It was faith. He believed what God had said, and it just didn't impact him in the decision process. It impacted him every single day of his life. It impacted his walk. So the Bible teaches us that the faith that we have that saves doesn't just save, but it also sustains and secures. It's a faith that continues to to dwell with us and to live with us throughout our life. Ultimately, we are children, we become children of faith. It becomes our identity. Several times in the scriptures, this term is used, Habakkuk 2 and verse 4 Romans 1:17, Galatians 3:11 and Hebrews 10:38, the Bible says the justified are those who are just shall live by shall live by faith. So faith is not something that just saves us. Amen, it saves us, right? And we embrace what Jesus Christ has done by faith. It saves us. But faith sustains us each day. It brings victory in our daily walk and faith secures us. We also want to remember this. The faith that sustains us daily, the faith that brings victory over lust and bitterness and anger and and murder or hatred or whatever, that faith is what brings evidence to this faith, that saving faith. Does that make sense? If you never have sanctifying faith, meaning that you never experience any victories in your life, you you quote unquote get saved, but you never experience any other faith victories, the resurrection of Christ was only one experience for you, but not a continuation of experiences for you. The power of Christ was a, Event where you prayed a prayer and quote unquote experienced the power of Christ, but it didn't continue and maintain with you, you begin to question whether or not it was the power of Christ that ever saved you. Hebrews chapter number six talks about that. Matthew chapter number 13 talks about four different soils. And some of those soils spring forth seeming to have life, but they never bear fruit and they ultimately die away. So what I want to talk to you about this morning for uh, our time that we have remaining is this idea of faith. What is this faith that was salvific for Abraham, but also that maintained, that stayed with him as he walked through his life to give him victory? How many of us need victory this morning? We need victory, don't we? Every one of us can probably stop at this moment and say, you know what? This is an area of my life that I I need some victory in. I'm experiencing great failure in this area of my life. I'm experiencing great bondage in this area of my life. I'm experiencing great defeat in this area of my life. I need victory in this area. So our natural tendency, right, it's January, we're going to make New Year's what? Amen. New Year's resolutions, right? Robert talked about some New Year's resolutions of reading our Bibles each day. Those New Year's resolutions, those are works. We're trying to create something by doing, by doing. And I, and I think reading the Bible, the Word of God, is a great New Year's resolution. But faith is what's going to drive you to reading the Bible, okay? But not just reading the Bible, continuing to read the Bible. What happens to New Year's resolutions? They fail, they fail don't they? Someone said to me this week that that works at a restaurant, they say, our restaurant is waiting for all the New Year's resolutions to go away because then everybody will come rushing into the store, into the restaurant. I've been there before. Uh, I've been to that point where there was a New Year's resolution and it lasted a while, but then my wife can tell you that night that that New Year's resolution went away, and I'm not going to promote any certain restaurant, but man, I went there as fast as I could (laughs) and got as much as I could. And I enjoyed it. That resolution didn't last. And the things that we do, that we work, we try to accomplish in our own abilities, in our own flesh, they will always, remember this, they will always fail. But it's faith. It is trusting in what Jesus Christ has done. It is trusting in who Jesus Christ has made us. It is trusting in the work of Christ and the person of Christ living within us that not only changes us, but it's, it keeps us changing. It changes us on the inside. It makes us perfect. It begins to change us on the outside and conform us into the image of Christ. How many of you believe that Romans 8 tells us that, that we are all, it was predestined that we would all be conformed into the image of Christ? That's a promise, right? Right? The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter number three that those who have the hope of being conformed into the image of Christ will begin the process of purifying themselves now. So it's so important that we understand the necessity of faith in embracing Christ for salvation, but also in embracing Christ for daily deliverance. When we face temptation, when we face struggle, when we face frustration, when we face difficult people, we place our attention not on ourselves, but we put our attention on what Jesus Christ has done. So I have six thoughts for you this morning. If you want to take notes and follow along with me, I will try to be somewhat um, quick with these thoughts, and we may not get through them all this morning. Number one is the comprehension of this faith, saving faith or, or authentic faith. One of the things that the scripture does in regards to faith is there's there's a constant um, contrast, if you will, an opposite of faith. And the opposite of faith given in the scripture is the idea of works. Works is the the opposite of faith. It's not the the same as faith, it's not similar to faith, but it's the opposite of faith. Works is something that we do to earn or to deserve something. We work towards a blessing, we work towards a, a, a reward, we work towards a, a wage. And we work towards this. We have a system in place and we, we work towards this. Grace and faith are seen as the opposite. The opposite is not working towards something. It's not trying to accomplish something. It's not doing anything in our own strength at all. This is, this is, very, this, this is not very difficult. This is impossible, isn't it? It is impossible for us to take ourselves completely out of a scenario and to let somebody else do everything for us. In our human nature, we've got to add that 1%, 5%, 10%, whatever might be the case. The faith of Abraham that he used here as an illustration was not him adding anything to the scenario, but him trusting fully in what Christ, in what God had promised him was going to take place. When he woke up in the morning, he had to trust God was going to guide him throughout that day to ultimately reach the goal that he was going to come to. Works leads to expectations and demands. People who are working their way into salvation or working their way through the Christian life are going to not only expect things from God, like they deserve those things, but they're going to make demands of God. They're not going to come to God in humility and, and, and pray for mercy and grace and strength to get through the day, but they're going to demand God to do things them, And the reason that they're able to demand God to do something for them is because they have done this, this, and this. They're working their way into God's favor. They're working their way into, um, some people, into salvation. Works are limited, okay? They're limited in time. They're limited by your strength. They're limited by your ability. They're limited by your perseverance. Works are, are limited because we often do them until we get what we were expecting, until we get what we were wanting. We will do something until we, get the, t- till we reach the goal that we were wanting, and then we stop doing it. Romans 11, verse 6, the Bible says, for, it is by, for if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Grace. Grace is grace apart from works, not with it. Again, I read to you earlier, quoted to you Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you are saved through faith and that not of works. We can put another word in there. We can say, for by grace you are delivered. It's the same idea. And it, it, it is salvific, but it is also daily. It is what we lean on and what we trust in each and every day of our lives. It's what we hold to. Faith is compared to childlikeness in the scriptures. The Bible tells us in Luke 18, 17, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom like a child, or whoever does not have the faith of a child, shall not enter into it. Faith is compared to a, to a child, a, a, little, a little child who, who believes things, right? Children have a natural uh, knack for believing things. The most crazy, wild things, right? Some kids believe that they can fly and you like tell them, hey, get off that top bunk, you can't fly, get down, right? You gotta instruct them and help them understand, hey, you, yes, I know you just watched Superman, but you cannot fly. I remember growing up, we watched karate movies or boxing movies and we thought we were Rocky or The Karate Kid and, and you know, we had to be brought back to reality very quickly. Now, this is, these, are, these are funny little stories, but the reality of it is, this is the type of faith that God calls us to. It's the kind of faith that, that, that says, hey, I, I'm, I believe that I'm Superman, so I'm going to go and I'm going to jump off a building. And this is, we're, we're not talking about jumping off buildings or believing that we're supermen. But the reality of it is, the faith that God calls us to is childlike in that we believe We trust in something so much that it changes the way that we function. We don't live lives in fear of failure. We don't live lives in bondage to sin and temptation because we believe in something that's bigger than those things. We trust in something that can overcome, that has already overcome those things. We embrace that. Think about a child when he is with his dad How much boldness does he have when he's with his dad? When his dad's standing there next to him and he's with his friends and just feels totally confident that nothing bad can happen to him, right? No one can beat up his dad. You know the kids wrestling back and forth over whose dad can beat up whose dad? I know your kids have never done that before. They will. That's the faith. What they're believing is they're believing in their dad. They believe in their dad's strength. They believe in their dad's might. They believe in their dad's abilities. They're embracing by faith. They're trusting by faith in the strength of another. That same child, you take that same child and you take him alone and you put him into that same crowd of kids and he's a totally different child because he knows he's alone He knows he's by himself. And because he's by himself, he becomes fearful. And because he's fearful, he he becomes perhaps lackadaisical in his stance. Faith is like becoming like a child, it's like embracing something that we can't see, embracing the impossible. There are things in your life that you see that you say, this is just impossible. I'll I'll never win in this area. I'll never be victorious in this area. Yet you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ saved you from your sins, but he doesn't have enough strength to save you from your sin. You believe in your heart that he cleansed you from all unrighteousness and made you acceptable before God the Father, yet he cannot give you the victory over bitterness. The faith that that drove Abraham, the faith that the Bible says was accounted as righteousness for Abraham was not empty faith. It was faith that was full of God. And it was faith that led Abraham to make crazy decisions. Humanly speaking, the decisions that Abraham made were were foolish decisions. No one wakes up in the morning and packs up his bags with his wife and begins to go somewhere. And she says, where are we going, honey? I don't know where we're going, but God's going to show us right how many of us do that no one says honey we're 90 and 100 we're going to keep trying to have children right <laughs> that's that's yeah. right <laughs> nobody does that it's crazy it's crazy faith it's believing in the impossible it's believing that God can do what He says He can do. Listen, folks, if we wake up in the morning and we believe that God can do what He says He can do, He says He can make me perfect. He can make me righteous. He can purify me. 1 John 3, because I believe that, I wake up in the morning and I journey to that purification. I've often compared the journey of Abraham to the promised land as our journey to perfection. You know something? None of us know where we're going. None of us know where we're going. But you know what? We woke up this morning and we believe that we were on that journey. And I pray that we take a step that way today based upon God's grace and God's goodness. That's what faith is. It causes us to trust something. It leads us to hope and patience. It has no limitations. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter number 11. This is the other... uh, of many, this is the other great passage on this idea of faith. The whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is, is about this faith. And I'm just going to read a few verses to you. Listen to what he says in verse 6 and without faith, it's this believing, this embracing that changes your life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who seek him. Faith is embracing that God exists. Not just that God exists like a a, a mental assent to God existing, but God exists in every situation. That God is everything. That God is a part of all of the steps of our life. We believe that and then we embrace the fact that he rewards those who diligently seek him. We embrace those truths. You say, well, Pastor John, you know, I've been seeking the Lord my whole life and I haven't felt any blessings. But you have to believe. Because I, I can guarantee you this, you may not experience best blessings in this life. How many of the Lord's apostles experience great blessings in this life? You may not experience blessings in this life, but I can guarantee you that the promises of God are not always meant for this life, they're meant for the next life. There is great blessings to come. There is a kingdom that is going to come. There is a new heaven and a new earth upon which God's people will rule and reign. Listen to what he says here. By faith, Noah, being warned of God concerning events as yet, what's the next word? Unseen. In other words, God told Noah it was going to rain, and not just rain, but it was going to flood the entire earth. Noah had never seen rain before. He didn't have an idea what it was. Noah was asked by God to believe something that he had never seen before. He was asked by God to embrace something that he could not imagine. He could not picture. He could not come up with an intellectual understanding of what God was telling him. Noah, it's going to rain. And rains like Noah's like, what's rain? That's for me to worry about. You build this huge ark, boat, and here's exactly how I want you to build it and I'll show you what's going to happen. Noah believed God, didn't he? Do you know what's interesting? God tested Noah severely. He had to preach. He had to stand up in front of a crowd of people for 120 years and preach something that he had no understanding of. You know what he had? He had God's word. And God's word was enough. Go down to verse number eight, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of a place that he was to receive an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham was asked to do something that he did not know. Noah was asked to do something that he had not seen. In verse 11, by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past her age. Abraham and Sarah were asked to do something that was impossible, Faith makes the impossible seem possible. This is the faith of a child. This is when a child sees something and embraces it and believes it in their heart. They believe that they can do it. Even if they can't do it, they believe that they can do it. Faith makes the impossible seem possible. Faith makes the invisible seem visible. And faith makes the unknown seem known. And I put those words in there, seem visible because it is still invisible, but it seems visible. Faith makes the unseen tangible, touchable, graspable. An athlete is taught to be able to hold that trophy before he ever holds that trophy. He is taught to be able to pursue that medal as if it's already in his hands. He does that by embracing faith by trusting that he's going to reach that goal. That is what faith is. Faith is being able to see it as if it is a reality. God's word is a reality. Amen? Faith causes us to live like it's a reality. Most of us go to this text and we say, Well, I know that God's word's a reality, so it can't be that which is unknown. Faith is taking what you don't know and believing it as a reality because God's word says it. It's not about what we know. It's about what we trust or who we trust. Faith makes the invisible seem visible, makes the unknown seem known. Hebrews 11 verse 1 now, faith is the substance. Faith makes something substantive. Faith is the substance of things, something that you hope for, the evidence of something that you cannot see. In other words, if you're telling somebody that you're on a journey, you're telling somebody that you have a goal, Abraham, hey, um, wife, we have a, we're going to the promised land. God has promised us this land. She's, she, her her. Her affirmation that there is a goal that's going to be reached is that he packs up his bags and begins to march to that land. And the evidence of our faith is that, or the evidence of our promise, God's promise to us is that we begin to journey to that place. Faith is a belief that you cling to that motivates you to forward motion. Faith carries us from promise to fulfillment, Faith takes us from the promises of God to the fulfillment of those promises. For by grace you are saved through, okay, the idea of through there, it's it's like a tunnel. Through, you're going through something. So here is God's promises, here is the fulfillment. How do we get from God's promise to fulfillment? How do we get there? Through, through faith. We embrace that. And the the, the wonderful thing about God is that he makes sure that if he makes a promise to us, that we get to the conclusion. Amen? He makes sure that we get there. It's painful sometimes, right? Jonah was going to Nineveh, but he didn't get there easy, did he? He didn't get there easy. God was going to do a work with him, made him a promise. He had to get him there. And God has to get us sometimes. And sometimes it hurts, but he will get us there. Listen to Matthew 21, 21. Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly I say to you, if you if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but also you will say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and it will be done. Imagine that kind of faith the faith that says, I can move mountains. You say, Well, Pastor John, I can't move mountains. Maybe those mountains represent something. Maybe you have a mountain in your life. Maybe you have something that's standing in the way of your your goal, of maybe not your goal, but maybe God's goal for you. There's a mountain in the way. Some of us want to march over it. The Lord says, by faith, we, we we can remove it. Matthew 17 and verse 20, he says to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you you had had the faith of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible for you. Go with me to Hebrews 11. Back to you might just wanna keep a finger there. Hebrews chapter number 11. Verse 33, just watch watch what this faith does in people's lives. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets who through faith If you have a pen, just just underline some of these words. Conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Listen, for somebody who walks by faith, for somebody who lives a life that embraces Jesus Christ and what he has done for them in his death, but the very fact that his resurrection is their resurrection, somebody who walks in faith and trusting that as a reality, there is nothing impossible. There is nothing impossible for us. It goes on to talk about women receiving their children to life. It talks about people being willing to be mocked and scourged and even to be um, uh, stoned and, and cut asunder. And they, they believed, they embraced what the Lord had promised them and they, they, they allowed themselves to go through all of these things trusting that God was going to accomplish what he told them he would accomplish. And the Bible says at the end of this text in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. Romans 8, 24 and 25, for in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I just want to challenge you this morning. I'm going to conclude here. We'll pick this up again next week. But I want to challenge you a little bit this morning about this idea of faith. Faith is not empty. You go to to James chapter number two, the Bible talks about faith that is alone is is empty. It's, It's worthless. It doesn't accomplish anything. Faith is always accompanied with action. When we trust something, when we believe something, when we embrace something as a reality, it is followed by works or followed by actions. Those works never precede faith. In in other words, you're never working towards favor with God, but you're working from favor with God. If you would this morning believe and trust and embrace that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he was buried, spent three days and three nights in the center of the earth, that he rose again the third day, and he did that for you that he did that personally for you, that he, he paid fully for your sins. He rose again the third day and he has promised that all of those who trust him will experience the life that he purchased for them, his own life, that he will give, he will give us his life. He will come to live inside of us. The Bible teaches if you, if you believe that by faith, it will, number one, change your eternal destiny You will no longer be condemned, the Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 1, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You are no longer under God's condemnation because you have believed in what Jesus Christ did for you. But but not only that, but you are now in God's favor. You're not just not condemned, but you're under God's favor. You're in his love. Right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's where you're at if you've embraced what Jesus Christ has done for you. And my challenge to you this morning if you've never believed that, if you've never trusted that, I pray that God would open up your eyes and your heart to to embracing that this morning. Listen, folks, that is the only way to be saved. That is the only way to be saved. You cannot be saved any other way. You cannot work yourself into God's favor. It's like climbing over that mountain. You're going to find on the other side of that mountain is a what? Another it's another mountain. You're never going to get there. But by trusting in Jesus and what he has done for you, those mountains can be removed. Jesus has already climbed all those mountains. He's already won the battle. He's already been victorious. He says, I want to give you my victories as a gift. Stop trying to work for them and just embrace them. That is salvation. If you're here this morning and you've never embraced that, you're so cumbered down with works and trying to please God and trying to get in His favor and trying to make Him happy, and you're just, you're like, I can't do anymore. Matthew 11 comes to mind Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you as a gift rest. All you have to do is come to Jesus. He has already purchased everything necessary for you to rest in this life. My secondary challenge is to all of us in here that have believed in Christ for salvation. There is a power that is within you that doesn't just stop when Jesus Christ saves you, but it works on you every single day. It brings victory in your life. It makes you continue to walk towards a promise that you can't explain. You can't understand. You can't comprehend. We can can try, and we try to understand God's word, and we grasp at what perfection looks like, but when we get there, we're all gonna be surprised when our eyes are open to see that God has made me perfect. But listen, folks, what's gonna make you wake up tomorrow morning and and do what is right and get closer to the Lord and read your Bible and pray is not that you're trying to gain God's favor, it's because you're in God's favor. Children are amazing. If a child knows he has his parents' love and care and he knows he's secure in that love and that care, there's nothing that he cannot do. If a child is trying to work himself into his parents' care and favor, there's nothing that he can do. We must begin to work from the reality that our God loves us and there's nothing we can do to change that. And we must embrace that by faith. God's, the faith that Abraham displayed here in this text and in Hebrews 11 as well is a life-changing faith. It's a transforming faith, not just to save you and set you in a different destiny, but to transform you, to change the way you live your life, to change your marriage, to change your children, to change your financial situation. And I'm not saying to to give you abundance of blessing, but to change the way you view it. To change our, our, our temptations and how we win and not lose. The power of Christ is big enough to save you. The power of Christ is big enough to change you let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for purchasing for us all of those things that are necessary for our salvation, including the ability to believe, and then to giving that to the people whom you have chosen, whom you have renewed, regenerated, given new life to, and help us, Lord, to embrace what you have done. Help us to Believe and trust that Jesus Christ has made us new and that we can now walk in newness of life. I pray your blessing upon your word today. May it be life-changing to those who are here. In Christ's name, amen.